The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. I'm Megan Keoghan, head of partnerships here at Provoke and host of today's episode, The New Workplace Normal, Quiet Quitting and Beyond. As we look to life post-pandemic and discussions of returning to the office, leaders are faced with an ever-growing challenge to foster a work culture in a way that has never been required of them until now. While some are calling for less flexibility and a step back from the heavily empathetic leadership model that emerged from the pandemic, others say that the shift to the flexible workplace model is permanent. In today's episode, we'll discuss the quiet quit the quiet quitting trend, and we'll talk about what strategies should business leaders adopt when moving forward, what is the right decision when it comes to the return to office debate, and how can company leaders identify the best approaches to attract and retain talent. With us today are Kathy Bloomgarden, CEO of Reuter Finn, and Russell Dyer, Chief Communications Officer and Head of Public and Government Affairs, Mondelez International. Thank you both for being here with us today. Thank you, Megan. Thanks, Megan. Kathy, I'll bring it to you first. Um, talk to us a little bit about what you've been doing in this space, um, kind of the research around our next steps post-pandemic, a very kind of popular topic these days, um, and a little bit about what Ruderfin is is doing in, in the conversation. Thanks, Megan. So I'm really happy to be here with Russ. I've been really impressed with his conversation, with the conversations I've had with Russ and the things that he's doing. Um, at Ruder Finn, um, one thing that surprised me is how much this has become a centerpiece of d- debate and dialogue on an ongoing basis. I mean, every day when I tune into Squawk Box and look at CNBC, we're having a conversation about this. Um, you know, the banks are saying go back to work five days a week. We have layoffs in the tech sector. Um, you know, young people want to have flexibility and everybody's confused. So I think there is no one way out of this. Um, and I think that it's really um, a great conversation point to really share ideas and views and our, you know, the ask of us from many, many companies and many different industries is, you know, what do we do? How do we look at this? And we all know that um, not every, that everyone has a different point of view about what they're looking for. So very much looking forward to the conversation and Wes, over to you, because I know that you've done a huge amount of work in this space. Thanks, Kathy. This is absolutely topic du jour for a lot of leaders and our teams included. The The pandemic was such a, a wild challenge for communicators on so many fronts. And this is sort of one of the, the lasting impacts. And it's 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 a great challenge. It's so interesting to think that the early days of the pandemic, all of the challenges were around how you engage a workforce remotely, how you keep business continuity, how you do all of these things that we didn't necessarily have the tools to do. And now we're managing the inverse of that, which is how do you make the office a place that builds culture that can be a competitive advantage within your company is the type of place that you want to go and work. And how does that contract change and what is it incumbent upon leaders to do to to make sure that employees see the advantage of, of being in the office while retaining the flexibility that we've all come to to enjoy. It is kind of fascinating when we think about, um, it was only probably a year and a half ago, some of those very early conversations of, we're all going back to the office, false alarm, we're all going back to the office, false alarm. And every subsequent time that conversation began to change and evolve, uh, which has gotten us to where we are today, uh, 
very, very different than the very first time we thought we were going to go back to the office and what that shift would look like. Um, so I'm I'm interested just as a, a foundational foundational element here, if we can talk about just a quick primer on the quiet the quiet quitting trend and um, how that has sort of become a named term uh, in, in the conversation today. And then um, we'll just use that piece kind of going forward as, as we reference it. Kathy, I don't know if you, if you okay. want to take that yeah. one or. Um, so I think, um, you know, we're all sort of wondering um, the various cohorts, what Gen Z wants and um, you know, how we're going to interrelate um, in order to meet their special needs and bring them into the workforce. Um, I think that if I can just step back for one second though, and I realize this in, talking to Russ, um, I think the question that we were all asking is, you know, first we went through various phases, as you just said, Megan, you know, I mean, first we started with working remote and everyone's, how do you manage remote? Then we went into hybrid. How do we manage hybrid? And what does it mean? Two days, one day, is it Wednesday, Thursday, you know? So it was um, a, a process and a phase. And now we're at the phase of, um, you know, what is it that um, we are as a company and each individual company will actually be asking in terms of building culture and engagement, Gen Z in particular being, you know, a group that we need to bring into the, you know, in closer contact because they maybe never worked in an office if they joined, you know, um, laterally. But I think it's the wrong question. And I realized this in, in talking to um, you earlier, Meg, and, and also talking to Russ. I think the question we really need to ask ourselves is, what is the work style? It's not about physically where you are, you know, geographically, because a lot of people have moved all over the country. It's really about how we create a new style of working together and what that means, what it looks like, what it means, what do we expect from it? How can we make it more powerful? Um, and, you know, looking at each individual cohort, because of course, Gen Z does have different needs, uh, but it equally important are what the older generation, what mothers need, you know, um, you know, mothers and fathers, excuse me, Russ, <laughs> um, all of them, you know, I you know, have young children. So I think it's really uh, understanding the, the through a lens of a new work style, how we can look at the different cohorts and really meet their needs. Yeah, I, I think specific to your question on quiet quitting, I think it's a brand name on something that has been around for a while, uh, <laughs> slacking off and uh, being disengaged. I think the, the focus should be on what's driving it. And I think there's no question that the pandemic, particularly for communicators, was a time of great burnout. You know, there are so many benefits in flexible work. One of the downsides is you can fill your day and your commute time with more calls and you can start at 6 a.m. and you can go till 6 p.m. And it can start to feel much more like mm -hmm. living at work as opposed to working from home if you're not careful. And for all levels from leaders down to you know, younger talents and new employees, it's hard to make that permission when there's as much work to be done as there was during the pandemic. And so you layer that general fatigue on top of not feeling as connected to your colleagues because you haven't been together to experience that. And you then have a labor market and a, you know, a war for talent that provides, um, you know, more, more opportunities and you get a brand like Quiet Quitting. Um, but just like the, you know, the need to encourage 
employees and build a culture of connection and collaboration in your office. It's a great challenge for leaders. And what I think all of this does, whether it's how you structure your hybrid approach, and I'm happy to talk a little bit about how we're doing it at Mondelez, or how you manage talent and avoid quiet quitting, it, all of this just makes you more intentional about your leadership, your rituals and routines, why you're in the office, what those days should look like. Um, and I think that that's a good, a good health check for, for leaders to remember that things are shifting and your leadership style needs to shift with it. Yeah, and as we talk about these shifts in leadership style, kind of one thing that you've just sort of tapped on, Russ, is, is there are so many different priorities that we can be weighing in the in the evaluation of what what uh, phase or work style uh, a company chooses, and um, I'm curious if you can speak to us a little bit about um, how at Mondelez International you kind of worked through that process, identifying what were your goals and objectives with bringing the company into a hybrid model, and how have you sort of evaluated what matters most. Uh, to your own brand as a sure. company? So first I'd say this is not entirely, but largely a U.S. focused conversation. I think in other markets of the world for a number of reasons, folks are back in the office at least at much higher percentages than they were um, compared to the U.S. and in many places back to pre-pandemic levels. What we've focused on is setting principles as opposed to policies and early in the pandemic when you know these conversations started and we knew one you need to figure out how to manage through a hybrid environment and then eventually return to the office we we created a flexible working pledge and the pledge is based on principles both for the employer and the employee and i think that's important because for hybrid to work for flexibility to work there needs to be empowerment for managers to agree and contract with their teams the right way. There needs to be empowerment for the employee to live and work in a way that's most productive to them and mutual trust. And the way we developed and rolled out the, the flexible working pledge, I think it disarmed a bit the conversation and gave people common ground to, to think about what it means for both the employer and, and the employee. From a communication standpoint, we really didn't try to push hard on global communications or even local communications, more so arm managers with toolkits and templates and best practices for them to take and use as they see fit. And one of the things we're doing in Chicago in our headquarters in the US, but even beyond the US, is try to define your anchor days in the office. And again, be more intentional about what those days look like. Everyone has said, I don't want to commute in at 5 a.m. to get to an office, sit on Zoom calls with people outside of the office, send emails all day and then commute home. I can do that from home. That's a beautiful permission for something we've all been craving, which is a shift in the way we work and maybe not having as many emails, maybe having more time to think and collaborate. But our ways of working haven't totally caught up with that model. So we're trying to help leaders establish those new rituals and routines and role model that with their teams. I love love the uh, the remote or the flexible working pledge. I think that 
that works so well, Kathy, to what we were speaking about earlier this week, um, really that it's, it's the work style and it feels like a very, um, forward thinking perspective to establish what are our goals? What are our objectives and less focus on our policies, um, for folks to be able to have this kind of shared vision. And um, Kathy, I'm curious if you're seeing this elsewhere or if, or. Um, I think, I think what Russ has just defined is actually really great. And what it does is it empowers the organization. So, you know, instead of having a top-down policy, um, even, you know, geographically, you're giving the managers and the teams um, the ability to define what the practices will be. Um, following a certain, you know, uh, guide of principles, um, which is kind of where people are um, trying to make their way. They haven't necessarily codified it the way you have, Russ, which I think is actually really, you know, thoughtful and really helpful. Um, but I think that the ultimate goal is to empower the team um, and, you know, and, and also help the team managers, because don't forget that team leaders themselves have to go through a cultural change. So I really, you know, think that conversation about giving toolkits to managers is important um, so that they can adopt and adapt and try to figure out with their teams because each team will be slightly different. You know, with companies that we work with that have many different kinds of employees. So we have factory um, employees, um, they require something very specific in terms of how they interact. We have, you know, or, with automation and digitization and technology also coming, there needs to be, you know, that factored into the cultural shift. Then we have the um, lab and research folks, which is completely different again. Um, they have to be debt back together and the problem solving team orientation that, that they, you know, must really you know, really align around is really important um, to finding those moments or defining those anchor days, as you called them, Russ, um, and when we're going to really problem solve as a team around a particular issue. Um, and then lastly, the corporate sector, you know, and how, you know, corporate, um, the corporate uh, staff is actually re relating as well, because they were the ones who actually worked from home the longest. They didn't have to be in the office. Um, so there's, a, again, a whole different, you know, look at how we bring the corporate staff together so that, you know, legal and compliance and HR and, you know, communication and marketing are all working together um, with these shifts and changes, because oftentimes in the past, you know, the risk of working in silos has been, you know, fairly, fairly obvious and, you know, exacerbated by working remote. So, you haven't actually seen new people again in those functions who've been hired. Um, it's great to be able to sit down and kind of work out, you know, um, in retaining or attracting talent and what it means in terms of the kind of style of work that we're and culture that we're putting in place. Um, you know, I think we're thankfully moving away from the the period of time when you know ping pong and free pizza and dry cleaning was actually the solution to you know, keeping people, employees, uh, I think that doesn't work anymore. Um, people are not going to get up, you know, 5 a.m. as Russ is alluding to, to commute in to get a free pizza. Um, that, that allure is actually not very powerful anymore. Um, so we do need to think of something much deeper, you know, and really tap into what people are looking for in terms of their work. Um, and that's really kind of where we're at right now in terms of thinking through this working style, thinking through culture. And the thing that I love about this is that communication is at the heart of it. You know, we're we're the ones that have to really, you know, help the organization build this new culture. 
and really adapt and really help with the, you know, managers really taking on kind of their own perspective on how they're going to work with their teams. So I think communication has in an organization, what I've seen is risen up to be a much more important function, you know, in the, in this moment, both during the pandemic and now trying to figure it out, like where we're going forward. Certainly. Um, Russ, when you're, when we talk about, you know, your flexible working pledge and, and sort of that approach to how um, you have decided to handle um, this return to work, if you will, at your organization, were there other styles or approaches or strategies that you entertained before sort of landing on this sort of hybrid or um, the journey the, to getting there? The the flexible working pledge is something we we launched. I want to say in the fall of 2020. I mean, it was when we were still a long way away from truly returning to office, and it served the purpose of you know contracting a bit on these principles for a new hybrid model and they've echoed and stayed true you know as we sort of returned to office kathy mentioned all of the you know cultural bells and whistles of ping pong and pizza and those sorts of things we're doing all of that as well i would just say they're now table stakes um you know one thing that i do think has been important is listening to the newest generation of workers and the youngest talent in in the organization and i was having a conversation recently with someone who was saying that you know they feel that their generation looks at work a little differently than we did and i started on the agency side and the people that i started with in my intern program i'm still friends with coming up on 20 years later now i mean still stay in touch with them and we haven't worked together in over a decade and that was before social media and the opportunity to make friends and build networks outside of the physical space. And it may be sad for me to think people aren't coming to work to create these bonds. Many of them are, and many of them happen naturally, but that is a social norm that I think has changed a little bit that may be something that we just don't think about uh, based on our own personal experience. Um, but I think to answer your question, Megan, the, the flexible working pledge, the focus on leaders and listening and constantly having this feedback loop on what's working. And for us, a global company, it's, you know, a good fortune that we can lift and shift best practices and see what's working in, in other parts of the world um, who are in different places when it relates to office culture and the return to the from the pandemic. Thanks so much for that. Um, it is interesting. It, it just made me think when you were talking about your cohort that you Kind of started with um i also relate to that have you know there was a crew of us who worked at the sun times together and that was and we haven't ever wor worked together for 10 years and um very similar but i do wonder if we um if there will be or if we're seeing the same sort of bonds form just simply like over text and zoom of by, by being those sort of very junior employees and the camaraderie that comes from that and maybe we Maybe we don't have answers to that yet if it's happening, but I, I'm really curious to to think about that and, and wonder if that that happens, whether you're in an office or not. In know. some ways, I think digital tools normalize quick, casual, virtual connections. You can send someone a note, particularly someone on the other side of the world and say, let's have a virtual coffee and you you connect and it's very informal. And that's that's amazing. 
I do think, and I can think about my own career, the times when you're in a meeting, particularly as a junior colleague with leaders, where you get to show up and speak out on a topic or present. And that's where I think virtual working has limitations. And it may seem more democratic because we all get our own little two inch box and anyone can come off mute. I think it's harder to do that when you're more junior or, you know, don't feel well positioned. And I worry about what that means for visibility and opportunity and and progression. Um, it's just another one of those thoughts that leaders need to be more intentional about with how they structure conversations. Uh, here's a here's a question, and it, it, it's there's totally okay if there's no answer. Uh, but is it possible that as we enter this new era, the ways that several of us who started our careers in office buildings and know the importance of being able to present in a boardroom or to carry on those types of business lunches or the those those professional face-to-face -face moments that perhaps there is a new um a new working style that will require different skills and perhaps the ones that we've deemed really important of the past may not be as critical going forward in the future well so i i think that um we have to look again at what people are looking for Right. I, I don't think that going back to saying how can we capture where we were before is going to be very helpful for us because, you know, it's kind of gone. Um, and I think that one of the one of the things that I've noticed, you know, with young people going back to Russ's point about really understanding the younger generation is that um, they want they want to be upskilled. They want training. They want to, you know, in part, that's part of what they want. Of course, they want flexibility equally, but they also want the, the training. And we see that coming up in the data. And I think what's really important is that comes from mentoring and mentoring goes both ways. So I think that for those of us who've been in the business, you know, or been, you know, 20 years or whatever, you know, for some time, we need reverse mentors too. Because how many of us really, you know, can easily form a chat room or figure out how to use TikTok easily or, you know, know what when when Reddit is worthwhile and not. I mean, you know, it, obviously, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, you know, Twitter, we can do all that. But there's, you know, a real, you know, mushrooming of, of, of social channels that's changing every day. And the digital native, you know, group of cohort you know, can really teach us a lot about how we can connect with people, you know, meg, you know, the metaverse, the web 3.0, the NFTs, et cetera. Um, Russ probably knows this really well because he's in a business that's actually connected to these kind of things. But, but I think that the whole concept of, of, um, you know, being together and learning is a very important thing for us to focus on, um, especially as the world, you know, across so many different parts of the business adopts a new model, becomes digitized, you know, and so this is not, this is a journey. It's not a one point in time. Oh, we digitize our operation. No, this is going to be an ongoing process. And I think the the whole hierarchy within a, an organization needs to shift. Um, and we really need to together as a community kind of find the various ways that we can help each other to problem solve. I think one thing that's so interesting that you can only do in person is this idea of putting people together against a common challenge or problem, um, especially people from different, you know, uh, walks of life. Sometimes it's, you know, people from outside the company. Um, sometimes it's startup innovation that, you know, you bring in to actually stimulate the team. And sometimes it's just cross-functional. 
Um, so I think that again, this using your imagination, being really curious about how we're going to be able to kind of face the challenges that are, you know, together, that's the new working style that we have to really adopt. And it's, you know, it's, moving and it's changing and it's again it's not an end goal that we're going to get to um but i think that the human element and the human interaction in really helping us progress along this you know path is going to be so critically important yeah megan i i think you're absolutely right that there are capabilities and skills that are just emerging now and if we only look at this conversation in the rearview mirror it's very easy to be negative or point out what's missing and what the gaps are versus looking forward and saying, so what are the opportunities? Our HR team, our, our people team, as we call them, they're doing a lot with virtual onboarding and onboarding with the metaverse and meeting colleagues digitally and virtually where they are to, to provide really amazing onboarding experiences, probably better experiences than the onboarding in the office. Um, but those are the types of things that we have to be looking forward to say, what's the good that can come out of this um, to, to really see. Have um, either of you, like in discussing the strategies of going back to an office or a hybrid, weighed the benefit, like the pros and cons of rather than having a physical office space doing quarterly or biannual retreats where it's everybody's asked to come for a week or four days and and maybe it's an offsite, maybe it is to an office. Um, but those experiences that sort of foster more camaraderie or we we went through this together, we got through this together, we did a ropes course together, whatever it is, like um are those ever considerations that that weigh kind of next to a hybrid model, or does that feel like a very different conversation? I think it's related. Um, we have jobs that are full-time remote jobs, but we are not a full-time remote workforce. And I think there's a lot of drivers of that. I think we see a role for offices, for white collar employees. I think, you know, being we just moved our global headquarters downtown to Fulton Market in Chicago, um, being near our consumers, being near our retail customers, you know, that is part of the experience and the exposure that we think is valuable to our global headquarters. Um, I think for anyone, whether you're full-time remote or hybrid, those types of team building and camaraderie exercises are critical. I think we'll see a lot more of that. We're planning our first global in-person leadership team meeting for the top 350 employees. Um, in November, we haven't had one of those since 2019 and the brief and the premium we are putting on connection and collaboration and experience and not on content is because of exactly this. People are craving it. We know how valuable it is. We know how unique these opportunities are when you're together. So you've got to maximize it. Yeah. And I think that the other thing is the way companies are designing their um, their space now and their headquarters, you know, interested that you've, you've just moved your headquarters for us. I mean, a lot of companies we're working with are now totally moving or redesigning their headquarters. Um, I was actually um, I'm a member of the New York City Partnership and Kathy Wild, who's the CEO there, she was on CNBC talking with, you know, a, a doubter who felt New York is not coming back and people are not coming back to work in New York offices because they're not going to sit in a cubicle. And she turned to him and she said, have you seen 
the New York offices right recently. <laughs> and the thing is, they don't look like that anymore. Right. I mean, you know, people have redesigned these open spaces that are really warm and engaging and places for people to hang out. And they really give a different kind of vibe. So, you know, I think it's a bit of an adjacency to your question about, you know, offsites. It's like, every day in the office creates a collaboration space for people to kind of interact in a different way. You know, less conference rooms. Of course, if you have to take a call, you you know, you want to have a space where you can do that. But those are really small um, areas of, you know, a new re newly redesigned uh, headquarters, which now looks like um, more of a living room than a <laughs> than an office. I don't know, Russ, if you did that in your new building or how you how you organize, you know, organized your space. Oh, yeah, we have everything's open, open space, hoteling model, amazing breakout areas, very sleek. Um, we the first floor is actually a restaurant that we own and operate called the good ambler and it's very high-end chocolate pastries croissants coffee you know the things that are part of our brand ethos and i try to take as many meetings down in the good ambler as i do in a conference room because it's just a more dynamic environment so shameless plug for a revenue driver for us too <laughs> well i also think the one thing that you're alluding to is we want work to be fun right i mean you know so it's great for you to be amongst all those chocolate pastries although i'm glad i'm not because i would be eating them but i think that 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 you know kind of the enjoyment of being you know in the office is another thing that we should like shouldn't neglect because um, it's great to go to a wonderful restaurant that has that kind of ambiance and, you know, to have a, you know, fantastic espresso, double espresso and a chocolate croissant. Um, and it's, you know, so I think that that's part of the um, also putting together what this new style actually looks like. So you really inspire people to come back because it's a day out, you know, it's, you know, a chance to really, you know, get out of the house, you know, dress up <laughs> if you're, you know, if you, that's something you enjoy and, um, you know, put up with the commute, a you know, a couple of days a week. <laughs> I do love the idea. It reminds me a lot of um, the, the idea of just how important experiential has become in our advertising and our marketing and having something like this restaurant feels very experiential yes. and it's sort of uh, uh, development and, it's also really thinking outside of the box, which is, uh, I was just, just listening to, um, a marketing session from, um, the author of, of the book that inspired the Savannah bananas baseball <laughs> team, if you're familiar. And one of the, one of his things that applied to all business models was, um, be weird, be trying to make mistakes, do things that are different. And eventually, over time, things will stick. And I, I like the idea of um, your your move over to the Fulton Market, having that restaurant. Like, that's something not a lot of places offer, you know. And it, it does check multiple boxes for you as well. Um, so I'm I'm not familiar with other approaches that other other folks are, are using like that. I don't know, Kathy, if you've seen some more kind of of the creative ideas like we've We've seen the gyms. We know the like the on-site daycares, things of like that. But um, other what what, what what we've done, and we've been um, actually doing this with a number of companies we work with, is have innovation days, 
um, where we actually bring everyone together and we look at some of the new channels and tools that are that are just emerging and kind of you know think together about how we can do that. Again, it goes back to the idea of you know being making people you know feel that they're stretching themselves or they're learning something and um, that they're they're actually gaining from the interaction with other people that they couldn't gain have you know alone or on a Zoom call. So I think again out of the box you know, thinking is let's take a new lens. Let's totally, you know, put everything aside that we thought, you know, in terms of our traditional approaches. And this is so important in terms of culture also, because as one CEO said to me, the greatest risk we have in this environment, despite the inflation and, you know, all of the, the war and supply chain issues and pandemics and whatever, the greatest risk is culture. Um, that we can't actually get our folks together to really adapt and 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 really um, you know, create, be engaged and create this culture. Um, so I think that that kind of new lens thinking is really what I would yeah. fall back on. <laughs> it's important to what we hope to bring and help with our, our clients with. Yeah. I feel a lot, you know, we've talked a lot about leadership and, and executive teams uh, and the need for them to shift their thinking and their styles. But I also really feel for, um, the people teams or the HR teams kind of that you've, you've just touched on Russ, and, and no longer is it understanding the, the paperwork that needs to go across the desk or, you know, various hiring practices and laws and things of that nature. But it's also like, it's also coming up with these moments for culture building that feel authentic mm -hmm. and feel like a good use of somebody's time. Like if you're going to ask an employee to come in for an office experience it really has to feel worthwhile to have come in for that. Because uh, I think you can really backpedal very quickly by missing the mark on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Kathy, have, is that, you know, when we talk about sort of the strategies of going back to work or going back to our new work style, um, it, those conversations with, um, you know, we've talked a lot about leadership, but the people teams and the HR teams or the, or perhaps it's maybe even new roles that are, are evolving right now that are the engagement teams. And it's, it's not just a committee anymore. It's, it's an actual role. Are those a piece of the puzzle that you're, you're seeing, or do you predict that they may be a piece of the puzzle? Well, I don't know about new roles, but I think um, a new world is kind of where I would like sum this up because I really feel like, you know, we all, you know, know that old story about out of the you know valley of death you know the opportunities are are endless so i think you know and many companies are talking about transformation and the opportunities going forward for their businesses whether it's in you know web 3.0 or whether it's in healthcare and new you know innovations or whether it's in you know re, you know uh using um uh, metaverse for reaching out to, you know, consumers, whatever it is, it's, you know, the promise of something dramatically different. And I think that what what's great about the new working style is it gives us an opportunity to really um, build something new that that enables us to bring our employees together to th bring their be their strongest you know and be able to imagine together how they how we can work around you know and and really um invent create be curious about you know where we can end up after all of this and be stronger you know we 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 sh in this week with UN week the climate issues you know that we've all experienced um you know we can't just say 
we're on a death you know spiral <laughs> we're going to solve this because human ingenuity can do it but you can only do it as a team and the team means that and it's the private sector that's going to drive it so it's the it's actually the the kind of culture and people and you know, imagination that's going to actually bring us out of so many of the problems that we're sitting with right now. And we're at this juncture. And I really believe that communication is an engine for enabling teams to really make it happen. So um, that's kind of my maybe a little optimistic perspective, but <laughs> that's how I view uh, kind of where we're going. Yeah. One of the things we're always trying to do as communicators and in, in public and government affairs is getting leaders and getting the organization to want to engage externally and not have that be something that that function will take care of for us. You need to get leaders out on the field. And the same is true of building a culture in the office. It's a huge challenge to the HR team and the people team. They can be a beacon of inspiration and content and governance to help do it. But I think the companies that are going to win are the companies who create an environment where both leaders, all leaders feel accountable for doing it, and they're providing a top-down and bottoms-up cultural building way of working so that if you're the most junior and newest to the organization, you can still have your fingerprints on the office experience in a way that can touch other people. That, that will be um, what I think drives these sort of thriving office ecosystems that we're all, we're all craving. I love the the reference of ecosystem. It really sort of sums up this new working style uh, environment in that we're all collaborators. The org structures have really shifted. Mm -hmm. um, the way we work together has changed and evolved. Uh, it, it's just a it's a good a good kind of note to to wrap up on today. But. Thank you both so much for being here. It's been really great to, to talk with you and, and to talk about our new work style, not our, our return to the office. So thank you both. We have Ruder Finn and Mondelez International. I'm Megan Keoghan uh, with Provoke Media, and this has been the Provoke Media Podcast. Thanks so much, Megan. And I get a 15% discount at the Good Ambler, so you're all welcome for coffee on me. <laughs> and questions, I hope. <laughs> Thank you so much, you guys. We'll definitely check it out next time in town. Thanks so much. You've been listening to the Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.